Well, good morning. You probably have seen this sign before. It's got 12 letters that are together. They kind of run together. And the sign says, God is nowhere. But you can also read it this way. God is now here. Same 12 letters, same words, same message, but not the same message. God is nowhere, or God is now here. You know, I'm not sure what you're going through right now, but in some of our situations, it's awful easy to look at it and say, God is nowhere. God's nowhere in this mess. God is nowhere. He, he's just nowhere in this difficulty. But really, the truth of the Word of God is this. God is now here. That's the truth of the Word of God. We've been in a series called His Presence. Today is the last message in that series, but I want to rehearse where we've been. The big idea behind the series is this. The presence of God makes the difference. doesn't matter what it is in life, what the situation in life, it's the presence of God that makes the difference. His presence makes the difference. And so in the very first message, it was called the distinguishing factor. And we said in that message that God's presence is what distinguishes us from all the other peoples in the world. In the second message, it was called, The God Who Sees Me. And in that message, we were talking about the very fact that it helps to know that when you're going through difficult times, that God sees what you're going through. And in the third message, it was entitled, The Missing Ingredient. It was really a message about worship. We said that worship is a response to God's presence. And sometimes, the missing ingredient in worship is God. That we're going through the motions, but we're not really responding to Him. And then in the fourth message, it was called Seeking His Presence. Uh, We learned in that message that God is omnipresent, that God is everywhere. But even though God is omnipresent, always with us, the reality is He does not always manifest His presence to us. He invites us to seek Him. The Bible says, you will seek Him and find Him when you seek Him with all of your heart. Now today, the title of today's message is this. You'll get through this. I have borrowed that title from Max Licato. We started a new series this past Wednesday night where we were watching uh, the teaching of Max Licato. And the the whole series is called You'll Get Through This. Now, this is not his message. I wish it was. I wish I could preach like Max Licato. But I have borrowed his title. You'll get through this. You see, here's what I want you to learn today. God specializes in getting his people through things. He really does. We all, we all go through things in life that are painful, that are stressful, things that are sometimes heartbreaking. All of us do. Suffering happens, and it happens to believers, and it happens to unbelievers. It happens to faithful, it happens to those who are unfaithful. In fact, this past Friday morning at 2 o'clock in the morning, my phone rang. It's never good news when your phone rings at 2 o'clock in the morning. And my phone went off, and, and I groggily answered it. It was my brother to tell me that, my brother Dave, to tell me that my brother Larry was being flown back to Duke University Hospital in critical condition and that he may not make it. Uh, his internal bleeding had started back again. His defibrillator had fired twice in his heart. 
his blood, he was throwing up blood. He, he threw up 12 times that night and just throwing up just, just blood. Um, they gave him four units of blood in over an 18-hour period. And once they got him to Duke University, well, they, they told his wife, said, we're going to put him on this jet, we're going to fly him there, but we don't know that he'll make the trip. Uh, once, thank the Lord, they got him there, they got him into the ICU, they got him stable. And eventually, uh, late Friday afternoon, they scoped him. They went down and, and once again was looking for a bleeder. His, they found his stomach was full of blood. Uh, and, and thank the Lord, they found the bleeder. And they were able to clip it in two different places. And hopefully, they've got that problem solved now. So we were thanking God and praising God. And then uh, yesterday, got good news that he was out of the ICU, that he was back into a regular room. And that was good news. And then this morning at 9.10, my phone went off again. And uh, it was a text message from my sister-in-law to say that he was having more problems and his heart was real erratic and kind of going crazy. That's the way life happens, isn't it? God never promises to protect us from all suffering. I wish He would. I wish He, I wish he would promise. I wish He would say, now that you're a Christian, you don't have to worry about getting sick. Now that you're a Christian, you don't have to worry uh, about anything. You don't have to worry about losing someone. Now that you're a Christian, you don't have to worry about finances or your health or anything. I wish that was the case, but sometimes the unthinkable happens. And sometimes, like in Larry's case, it happens again. And our world suddenly caves in. And we're left with the hard questions that usually begin with the word why. And if we're honest, if we're honest, sometimes the answers don't seem to come. At least not the answers that we want. But if you will cry out to God, you'll find more than answers. Please hear me. With or without God, we will experience our share of suffering. With or without God, we will have questions we cannot answer. But without God, there's no hope. Without God, there's no purpose in the pain. Without God, there's no answer in the future. But with God, there is hope for a better tomorrow. With God, there is confidence that He's working even in the midst of the suffering for His eternal plan. You see, you don't have to understand in order to trust. You don't have to understand all the answers and all the questions. You, you don't have to understand in order to trust. We just have to rely on His presence. So many times in the midst of a major crisis, when I have been ministering to somebody in the midst of a major crisis, so many times they have looked at me eventually in that, in that time that I'm with them, and they have looked at me and said, Pastor, I just don't understand how anybody could go through something like this without the Lord. And I say, I, I don't understand that either. I'm so grateful we do have the Lord here right now. Because I don't understand how anybody could go through this without the Lord. You see, His presence makes the difference. When we go through something, we would never choose. Did you hear that one again? His presence makes the difference. 
when we go through something we would never choose. And that's where some of you are right now, isn't it? You're going through something you would never choose. Perhaps you're going through a divorce. You didn't choose it. He just walked out. Or she just walked out. It's not something you would have chosen. Or maybe you're going through, through grief. Somebody that you loved has died. You never, ever would have chosen that. Maybe you're battling cancer. Several in our church family are right now. Or, or perhaps you're going through a trial with your kids, the teenagers, and, and they, they, they are worrying you to death, and you're going through something you just, you just never would choose. Maybe you're going through an uncertain time with your health, and you're waiting on that doctor's report, perhaps even this week. Tests are going to come back. You're going to go see the doctor. You're going through something that you would never choose. Maybe you're going through a layoff, or even worse, you're going through bankruptcy. And there's lots of bills but no income. And we often find ourselves in those situations, believers and non-believers, the faithful and the unfaithful. But here's the message of the Bible. God can help you get through those things. Even when our world gets turned upside down, we can face tomorrow because, listen to this, because tomorrow belongs to Him. The prophet Isaiah spoke about this so eloquently in Isaiah 43. Would you open God's Word to Isaiah chapter 43? And if you don't have a Bible with you, there's a pew Bible there in front, in the, pew, in the rack in front of you. In the Old Testament, the Old Testament book of Isaiah 43. Isaiah is the first of the writing prophets in the Old Testament. And in Isaiah, he, he tells us some, something about God that we need to hear today. The words of Isaiah are both timely and timeless. They are timely because in chapter 42, chapter 42 ends by showing us the spiritual decay of God's people and His response, God's response to their sin. You see, the nation of Israel went into Babylon as exiles. They were punished for their rebellion because of their sin. Uh, Let me show you what I'm talking about. In chapter 42, beginning in verse 24, who handed Jacob over to become loot? And Israel to the plunderers? Was it not the Lord against whom we have sinned? For they, Israel and Jacob, would not follow his ways. They did not obey his law. So he poured out on them his burning anger, the violence of war. It enveloped them in flames, yet they did not understand. It consumed them, but they did not take it to heart. Despite their unfaithfulness, though, despite the fact that they were now in Babylon as exiles, taken from their homeland and taken as prisoners to another country, the country of Babylon, despite their unfaithfulness, God would not abandon them. Because right after those verses in chapter 42, chapter 43 begins with these words. But now, but now, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name, and you are mine. I love the way that that verse starts. Chapter 43, verse 1, starts with the words, but now. 
I know in the past there's been problems. I know you have disobeyed me. I know that you have experienced my judgment. I know that you're living in exile. I know you're being punished for your sin. But now. You see, the big question isn't why, but really the the real question is, what now? The past is in the past. The the disobedience is in the past. The problems are in the past. God's judgment was in the past. He says, but now there's going to be a different future. God reminded the nation of Israel that they would be His people. He was taking responsibility for them. They were His people, and His presence would make the difference in the difficult days that they were going to face. It was a timely word. It's also a timeless word. Because we too need to be reminded of God's presence in difficult days. We too need a but now word from God. We need to be reminded that that we belong to God. We need to be reminded that He has not forgotten or abandoned us. We need to be reminded that He specializes in getting His people through things. Chapter 43, verse 1, But now, this is what the Lord says, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, and you could put your name there, couldn't you? Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. First word that God speaks to His people is an interesting word. God says, fear not. Fear not. It's the most common command in the Bible. Fear not. Maybe God knew that we'd need to hear it over and over and over. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Fear not. Do not be afraid. Over and over throughout the Bible we hear hear that. And the reason that we hear it so much in the Bible is because circumstances in life can overwhelm us. The future can frighten us. And we can get very consumed with the fear of uncertainty. The fear of what's next. the, The fear of failure. The fear of death. The fear of the unknown. God knew we'd struggle with that. God knew we'd struggle with fear that would sometimes paralyze us. So He reassures us. In verse 1, He he reassures us by His presence. And and I want you to understand what He's saying in in verse 1 when He says, Fear not, I have redeemed you. I have rescued you, He says. I have summoned you by name. I know you personally. You are mine. In other words, God is saying, I have taken responsibility for you. You're mine. And then he tells us again in verse 5, essentially the same thing. Look at verse 5. In fact, if you have the NIV, would you read it out loud with me? Verse 5, if you have the NIV, let's read it together out loud. Just the first half of the verse. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. Just right there. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, not because the things that you're going through are not scary. No, no. Do not be afraid because I'm with you. Do not be afraid, not because there's uncertainty and anxiety. No, 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 no. no. Do not be afraid because I am with you. It reminds me of what happened in Mark chapter 4 when Jesus was on a boat with the disciples going across the Sea of Galilee and they got in the middle of a storm and, and it looked like they were going to sink and they ran to Jesus and said, Lord, don't you care? And he got up and he, and he, he, he kind of woke up and then he said, peace be still. And the turbulent 
stormy waters of the Sea of Galilee suddenly became like a sea of glass. And then he turned to them and he said, Why are you so afraid? To which we would have said, Did you not see the storm? Why are we afraid? Why are we afraid? Did you not see the size of those waves? Why are, did you not see the water coming over the top of the boat? Why are we not? Jesus was saying, shortest translation. Jesus was saying, but I'm right here with you. I haven't left. I'm right here. So why are you afraid? You see, what he teaches us in the New Testament, what he teaches us in the Old Testament is this. Fear is incompatible with his presence. There is no place for fear in his presence. Somebody, I'm going to say it again. Somebody put an amen there, not for me, but for the Lord. Let me tell you, fear has no place in his presence. The second word that God gave to his people is a word of hope. Verses 2 and 3. He says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. And when you walk through the fire, uh, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. The thing I appreciate about these verses is that they are a realistic view of life. We all have those hard times that we have to go through, scary times, painful times, and And God didn't say, now everything's going to be okay from this day forward. God knew that once they left Babylon and started back home, they'd have problems, they'd have difficulties that they would face. And in fact, the the word pictures of waters and rivers and fire represent the different kinds of obstacles that His people would face as they started their journey back home from captivity. But I want you to notice a very important word in that verse. It's the word, when. Not if. When. God in His sovereignty was looking down the corridors of time and He could see what they could not see. God did not say, if you encounter the waters, if you encounter the fire. God said to His people ahead of time, when you encounter this. Ladies and gentlemen, please hear my heart in this. I want to make sure you understand. Things often catch us by surprise, but they never catch God by surprise. There is a when in all of our lives. It may be today, it might be tomorrow, it might be five years or 15 years from now, but there is a when coming. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The, blaze, the flames will not set you ablaze. There's a when coming for all of us. A friend of mine in this church, he and I have spoken many times about this. And he has told me, he said, Keith, I am just so blessed. He said, I really am. I am so blessed. And he said, I've never really had any really bad things happen to me or my family. I'm just so blessed. that it." And he said, and it scares me because I know it's coming one day. And he's right. 
It is coming one day. There's a when for all of us. But when it does, listen to me church, when it does, God will be there. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. God was looking down the quarters of time, speaking through the prophet Isaiah. He could see what they could not say, what they could not see. And he said, When you pass through the waters, I just want you to know I'm going to be there. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. Why? Because I'm going to be there. The same God who tells the oceans you can go this far and no farther is the one who says, And when you pass through the waters, I'll be there. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. Why? Because I'm going to be there. But it's such a realistic view of life because he did not say, you will never have to go through the waters. You will never have to go through the fire. But he says, when you do, I'm going to be there. There's another word that's repeated in that verse besides the word when that's important for us to understand what God is saying. And it's really the, the, ver, or the word that has motivated this message when I was studying. The, the word that really kind of pushed me to preach this message was the word through. I love that word because he says in verse 2, look at it again, it's three times listed. Just like the word when is listed three times, the word through is listed three times. When you passed, pass through, through the waters, I'll be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they'll not sweep over you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. I love that word through because it indicates, listen, you're in it right now, but one day you're going to get past it. You're going through it right now. But it won't always be like this. You're going through it right now, but I'm going with you, and it's going to get better on the other side. You're going through it but I'm going through it with you. I told you that we're doing a new study on Wednesday nights, Max Locato, called You'll Get Through This. And he has a statement in that study that, that we saw Wednesday night. And I just want to read it for those of you who are not here. And he says this, great statement. He says, you'll get through this. It won't be painless. It won't be quick. But God will use this mess for good. In the meantime, don't be foolish or naive, but don't despair either. With God's help, you'll get through this. With God's help, you'll get through this. Friday evening, we were traveling back from Durham, my brother Dave and I. We were traveling back from Durham, and, and I was noticing the, the signs on the interstate. I, I guess you call them informational signs on the interstate. And it would say, Greenville. 85 miles. And then you'd drive and drive and drive, you'd see another one. It said Greenville, 43 miles. But it, it helped to know that, right? It helped to know that I was getting closer to home. It helped to know that I was getting closer to the end. Then it would say Greenville, 21 miles. Greenville, 13 miles. And, and I, I got to the point where I appreciated those signs because it indicated, hey, I'm going to get there. I'm, I'm getting closer. I'm not going to have to stay in this car with Dave forever. It helps to know that you're getting closer to the end of the journey. The hard part about suffering and trials, though, is not knowing when the exit will come. It would be nice if God could put a sign up that said, three more days, two more days, hang in there. 
Three more years. But as long as it was going down, it'd be alright, right? Because you know when the exit is coming. We don't see those signs very often. But what we do see is in God's holy word, God Himself saying, when you go through this, I will be with you. When you go through this, there's going to be an exit sign somewhere ahead. I'm going to watch a video for just a couple, about four or five minutes. It's from Max Licato, and he summarizes in a great way what I've been trying to say to you today. And I hope that this this, uh, four or five minute clip will encourage you to be here on Wednesday nights. Join us on this journey as we hear from God about you'll get through this. Now, I'm going to come back after the little video. I'm going to say a little bit more, so don't, please don't get up and leave. This service is not over. But I want you to hear this word from Max Licato. You'll get through this. You're going to get through this. You are. You're going to get through this. We fear we won't. That's one of the challenges of tough times. We fear that the depression will never lift. We fear that the screaming will never stop. We fear that we'll never understand the pain. We fear we won't get through it. But you need to know, and I need to know, that through is one of God's favorite words. He gets us through the Red Sea. He gets us through the fiery furnace. He gets us through the storm. He gets us through even crucifixions. God can take that which appears to be evil, and He can get His people through Deliverance is to the Bible what the Mardi Gras is to New Orleans. (laughs) It's big, it's brassy, it's everywhere. God loves to get his people through things. Will it be painless? Have you wept your last tear? Have you gone through your last chemotherapy? Does God guarantee you'll never go to a cemetery? Or you'll never have a sleepless night? No. But he does guarantee that he'll be with you. And that he'll use that pain for something good. Will it be quick? I hope so. I hope so. I hope that next time you say a prayer, all your problems disappear. But experience has taught us otherwise, right? Sometimes it takes time. In fact, sometimes God takes his time. It seems we're always in a hurry. He took 120 years to get Noah ready for the flood, 40 years to get Moses ready for his assignment. He called a shepherd boy, David, to be king, but then he sent the shepherd boy back out to take care of the sheep for a few years. He called Saul to become an apostle, Paul, but before Saul became Paul, Saul had to go to Arabia for some special training. Sometimes God just takes his time, but he doesn't waste this time. He doesn't waste this time. And so this time in which you're waiting, God is using. God always uses time. He's never in a hurry. He's always on time. We're in a hurry and often late or early. But God is always on time. So if God is taking his time, that's okay. That's okay. God will use this mess 
this mess. It feels like it, doesn't it? I mean, it feels like a perfect mess. We look at Joseph in the pit and we say, oh boy, what a perfect mess. But God looks at this and says, oh boy, what a perfect chance. Perfect chance to train and develop the future prime minister of Egypt. I don't know what all Joseph needed to learn, but God knew exactly what Joseph needed to learn. And part of that training came in the pit. Part of it came in the house of Potiphar. Part of that training came in the prison. But all of that was working together to create the kind of person that God was going to use to accomplish his will. Believe me, dear friend, God is working right now in this mess. He's working right now in this chaos, in this confusion. He's teaching you something that he wants you and I to know. He's training us for exactly what I can't say, but God can. And he has you enrolled right now in a course that maybe you didn't volunteer for. It's a signed curriculum, right? (laughs) He has assigned you this curriculum because he wants you to develop a characteristic or a skill that he can then use to further his kingdom. So you'll get through this. It feels like a mess, but he will use this mess for something good. So in the meantime, don't be foolish or naive. You're a sitting duck for stupid decisions right now. So you got to be careful. You got to stay faithful. You got to stay prayerful. But you you got to keep believing. Hang on to hope. Hang on to hope. You got a parachute handed to you. God's presence. Put it on. Hang on to it. He's with you in this. God will use these tough times for something good. I want to be very clear. You are a Joseph in your generation. You carry something of God within you. Something holy. Something good. Something positive. Something encouraging. And Satan would love to neutralize you. But the story of Joseph is in the Bible to teach us that God trumps evil. And he rescued Joseph, and he's going to rescue you as well. Just be patient and just trust him. Joseph would be the first to tell you that life in the pit stinks. (laughs) But if there's one good thing about life in the pit, it's this. There's only one way to look. Look up. Look up. And the same God who reached in to help Joseph is the God who's going to reach in and help you. Sometimes life gets interrupted. That's what we've been talking about today, how all of a sudden, interruptions can occur that we didn't, did not anticipate. But sometimes life gets altered, not just interrupted. And life will never be the same. I was watching a football game last week, and there was a, a collision, a college football game. There was a collision with two players. One got up, and the other one didn't. And he wasn't moving. And the stadium grew silent. Uh, they were waving for people to come help, and the medical team got there, and and they started trying to stabilize his neck. And they put him on that stiff board. And team members were on their knees. And they were praying. And they were 
you could tell very concerned about this player. Both sides, it didn't matter what team he was on, they understood the gravity of the situation. He laid there motionless. An athletic young man laying there motionless. As they put him on the board and as they were putting him in the ambulance, suddenly he lifted one arm and did this. And the stadium erupted in applause because they knew that just like that, life can be altered. But whether life is interrupted or life is altered, it is still His presence. His presence can make, can make the difference. His presence can make the difference. You'll get through this. As Max says, it won't be easy, it won't be painless, it won't be quick. But His presence can make the difference. I want you to bow your heads with me. I want to quote a scripture to you. I want to ask nobody to be moving or leaving or anything like that. I, I got a scripture I want you to hear today from the Lord. The scripture is one that you know very well. It's found in Psalm 23 and it says this. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for you are with me. That verse summarizes everything I've said today. We walk through valleys. God's with us. And we don't have to fear because of His presence. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you're with me. And so I'm going to ask you in this time of invitation, maybe you just got a heart that is heavy, a burden that you can't carry any longer, and maybe you just need to come and say, God, help me get through this. Show me your presence and help me get through this. Please know that this altar is always open for you to do that. It is always your opportunity to respond and bring your burden to the Lord. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that in this time of reflection and invitation that you might once again remind us and reveal to us your very real presence. Help us when we don't know what to do next. And thank you, Lord, that we don't have to understand in order to trust. And may today we trust you. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.